What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and let's kick it off with the clown prince of crime himself, The Joker, number one from DC Comics, written by James Tide of the Fourth and Sam Johns, art by Gillam March and Mirka Andalfo. This is the first time ever The Joker has an ongoing series, so of course, it's mostly about Commissioner Gordon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is reliably good. It's James Tynan. Gillam March is art is gorgeous as usual, even with the swerve here that it mostly is not about the Joker. It's still a really good story. I, I liked it quite a bit. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I was really impressed. Uh, I thought it was very interesting because it's like, okay, Joker number one, what are we going to get here? And I was I was really impressed with the choices that they made with this comic. Also, we're still getting this kind of like punchline uh, kind of backup story in this, which is great. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this punchline thing uh, unfolds. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as Joker number one, I thought they did an amazing job of getting you excited for this big kind of arc that they're telling. I think as far as his first issue is concerned, it does its job really well. I am very excited for more. Yeah, I really like this version of Commissioner Gordon or ex-Commissioner Gordon. We get to see a nice nice flashback and one who was in the Chicago PD before he got busted down to Gotham. And it it reminded me a lot of Scott Snyder's um, Detective Comics run, sort of where he was plucked. He was plucked from that. Jock was doing the art, yeah. Pluck and Frank uh, uh, Frank Avia, Francisco Frank Avia was doing the art on that for t- for a little bit as well when he was dealing with his son and being suspicious of him yeah. uh, becoming that whole restaurant scene was just one hundred percent yeah. And this we get a little. There's some reflections of that here in the in the story as well, and it's just a great story. And I really like the idea that it's not a story where we have to like watch the Joker being um, a crazy person the whole time. It's or like there's like sort of three or four Jokers, or you know what I mean. <clears throat> Yeah, it's this sort of like detective story where we're following Commissioner Gordon make some hard choices um, that I'm curious to see how it plays out. It's yeah. good storytelling across the board. If you were hesitant at all, definitely pick it up. Next up, Children of the Atom, number one from Marvel, written by Vita Ayala, art by Bernard Chang. This is an interesting take on what's currently going on with X-Men to show us several characters that seemingly have decided not to go to Krakoa and instead be regular teenagers in high school while fighting crime as mutants. There's, of course, a little bit of a twist there. But what did you think about this first issue? I'm curious what Pete thinks of it, because um, we get to see perhaps a Cyclops that um, he can really get on board with. Yeah, it was it was an issue of a comic book. Uh, had some X-Men <laughs> in it, which is great. Sure. Uh, there's some fighting. Um, yeah, I liked a couple of the characters. Art was really good. Um, uh, interesting, not sort of a non-take there, really. Um, I like this uh, story a lot, especially in the larger context of the X-Men universe right now. This feels like a simple standalone like series where we're going to follow these characters and whatever is up with them. They feel like sort of mutant wannabes almost, um, trying to find their place by replicating the original X-Men in a fun way. It's drawn really nicely. Um, it was cool. 
great reveal yeah, at the end. I, I like the fact that we're getting to see outside of Krakoa and what's going on there, because this is a part of the world that we need to find out more about of uh, and their reaction to things. So I am curious, given the twist at the end in particular, where this is going to go. But Vida Ayala is always reliable as a writer. Bernard Chang's art is good. These characters are interesting. Um, I'm excited to read the second issue. Next up, Carmen, number one from Image Comics uh, by and art by Gillam March. This is a very different take on an angel dressed in sort of a skeleton thing straight out of Karate Kid. Right, Pete? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're referencing, but I feel like this costume is a little bit more elaborate than that one. Slightly more elaborate because it actually is her skeleton, but she is visiting with somebody who they don't come out and say it, but has recently died or is about to die um, and uh, takes her around as a ghost to sort of show her the world. It's not quite clear to me what this book is going to be about going forward yet at this point. There's a tease of something a little bit more at the end here, but it's always a pleasure to see Gillam March's art. Great art, and this feels like something that um, is like a labor of love, like something that the, the amount of time and focus put into this book is just palpable. It's beautiful, uh, and it's sort of haunting in the way the story unfolds. I, I thought this was, was great, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's very sad and very powerful, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a twisted tale about something that is just, oh, Everybody okay? I thought there was like a fire alarm going off there. Um, (laughs) It's all right. No, I didn't hear anything. Uh, I mean, I will say to that point, not to interrupt you, Pete, but I do want to mention for anybody interested in picking this up, trigger warning for suicide in this book. Uh, Potentially, they don't come out and say it, but it's pretty clear what's going on there. Also, there is a a fair amount of nudity, so this is not a book that should go necessarily handing to kids. But go ahead, Pete, if there was anything else you wanted to say. Yeah, I was just... uh, it's kind of a dark tale, but they're kind of putting a bright kind of light on. So it's, I'm very interested to see how this all unfolds and what the point of this is. Cause it's a little fucked up, but um, yeah, I mean, it's not something you can kind of like read in the subway or something. You have to read this by yourself somewhere, uh, but it's, it does a great job of grabbing the reader's attention. And I'm curious to see uh, kind of how, how it all unfolds. Pete, did you take this one to your reading hole? Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, I got it, got in my hole, just curled up and read that book. So I made a reservation me. in Pete's reading hole, and I still haven't really got <laughs> my uh, arrival date. Ah, oh, you got to try the cheese puffs there. They are to die for. So Wonder Woman number 770 from DC Comics, written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cluden and Jordi Belair. Art by Travis Moore and Paulina Gancho, or Gancho, excuse me. Um, this, we talked about this a little bit on the live show. This is coming out of the future state stuff. So Wonder Woman had this new status quo where she pulled herself back from being sort of a guardian of the universe type thing. Yeah. But instead has found herself in... In Valhalla, in the Norse afterlife, fighting these same fights over and over again. That's the front story. The back story is showing us young Wonder Woman. I thought this was phenomenal. I this was this was my favorite books of the week. Like really great. I was really curious reading um, all the stuff coming out of Future State. Like where Wonder Woman was going to land. It felt like it was going to be. Just not a fun place if she was going to be, like, doing something different. And this was such a breath of fresh air. 
Um, Diana sort of doesn't know what Wonder Woman is. She doesn't have her powers. She's just being a warrior in uh, its purest form. There's a mystery unfolding behind the scenes. Uh, there's some romance here, perhaps. Really, just a great story, top to bottom. Really caught me off guard. Pete, you were very patiently raising your head. What's going on? All right, so uh, I'm a huge fan of Wonder Woman, but it was weird. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of different kind of like mythology, historical and non-historical wrapped up with Wonder Woman. So it was like I was like Asgard, Wonder Woman. Why am I fighting this in my brain? Like it's this weird like Valhalla. Like I know like it should be OK, but to me, it's like I associate it so hard with Marvel that it was hard for me to be like, yeah, this is cool. Wonder Woman's walking around Marvel right now. This is totally fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but it's definitely a very different take than Thor stuff over at Marvel. Certainly, I, I agree with you. It is nearly impossible for comic books to divorce Norse mythology from Thor and the Thor comic books and Loki and etc., but those existed beforehand. <laughs> they sure. uh, definitely yeah. time immemorial. This feels like a more mytholo- mythological take on North mythology than exactly what's going on usually, at least in Marvel comics. Uh, so I, I I got over by the end, but I was definitely there with you at the beginning with the people. Yeah, Thor was I, a different dude. He was a red beard. Mm-hmm. So that's sure, totally sure, sure. different. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that aside, I really thought this was a great start for this new team. I feel like this is really cool. Um, I also really like the backup. I thought that was fun. I'm excited for this. Well, let's move on to one that you're very excited for as well, Pete. Nonstop Spider-Man number one from Marvel, written by Joe Kelly and art by Chris Bocciolo. Of Come course, out. this is taking Spider-Man and putting them in position of Alexander Hamilton in the musical Hamilton. <laughs> Don't because ruin he is this going for me, non-stop. you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> My favorite song from Hamilton's nonstop. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Pete, you love this book. This is the Fast and the Furious of Spider-Man books. It's sort of the total opposite of what's going on. Amazing Spider-Man. No real soap opera going on here. Just complete balls-to-the-wall action with brief interludes to give you backstory about what's going on. Talk (laughs) about what you liked about this book. Even those interludes are happening pretty fast. This is a smash opera, which is Pete's. Uh, medium of choice. Yeah, I love this. There's no time wasted. It's all nonstop. It's all happening, uh, uh, you know, during a fight scene, which is such a great idea. Don't waste time like, oh, let's go to a coffee shop and fucking talk about our feelings. No, it's all action. It is just nonstop. I loved it. The art alone is worth picking this up. Uh, unbelievable. Just like so fun how like Spider-Man's fall but like counting the stories by having this inner monologue this to me really i needed this spider-man because uh nick spencer's fucking killing me on that other spider-man book <laughs> and i i wow. just needed a light fun spider-man spider-man book that isn't like doing a bunch of weird shit so like i i really needed this book and the art is just so good and i i love the pace of it i love the action Every single page was glorious. And then the backup story with not your mom's Zemo here. This is a new Zemo here that's just like 
has a lot of sass, got some back talk, uh, really owning the fact that he's rocking a purple mask in a fun way. And, you know, it's all about that drip. He does love that drip. Um, yeah, you know, I first opened this book and I was like, surely there's going to be a couple stops in here. None. No. Why do you need stops? <laughs> what do you need stops for? It's express train. It's you go express on the local train. if you want some fucking stops to look around. Pete, what did you think of the back matter where um, the editor Nick Lowe talks about how in every single page he's getting his relationship with Mary Jane annulled? <laughs> That's true. how nonstop it is. Nonstop it all is. Yeah, it's not true. It's not true at all. It this is, is the perfect true. team. I, I would say this is the perfect team for this book. Joe Kelly, great at this sort of oh. thing. Chris Bocciolo, great at this sort of thing. This is fun. Uh, like you're saying, Pete, this is the opposite of what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. And it's a nice it's a nice little treat. It is a nice that. treat. Come on. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Chris Bocciolo's art's great. It's great to see him on a book like Spider-Man. Uh, it's phenomenal. See. Um, there's so much going on. The panels are crooked. Um, when I got to the end, I, I was like, this surely can't be the end. And there was a whole other story. So the stops kept not stopping, you know? Yeah, exactly. Never stop stopping. Uh, what'd you guys think of the backup? The Ben Zemo backup? I love yeah. Zemo. I don't know what yeah, it is. I, I didn't know you guy. were such a Zemo head. I love Zemo. But this. I can't it, explain it. No, actually, you, I can't explain it. It's because uh, Under Siege, Avengers Under Siege, is probably my favorite Avengers storyline. And I was mm. like, yo, I'm sold on this guy. Avengers okay. Under Siege is your favorite Avengers story. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. There it is. You uh, love a how real do you feel, loose mask, huh? How do you feel about <laughs> this updated Zemo a little bit? He's got a little sass. He's. You, you, you keep pushing his sass. Well, it's just I haven't seen the Zemo, and and Zalvin's a Zemo head, so I'm wondering if he's like this. This is my Zemo, or like he feels cool with it. No, it's Pete, straight up. Been, if anything, it's you, old Zemo. He's got the loose mask back again instead of the tight mask. Sure, his yeah. neck's getting some air. Right, but I mean the way he's talking is not how Zemo normally talks. Yeah, it's fine. Pete, th- this story focuses on a drug called A plus. Have you been taking some of it? Because you seem <laughs> hyped. You're nonstop I, right now. Good. I am nonstop. I, and, uh, you know, I needed a book like this to get me hyped. Let's move on then and talk about Proctor Valley Road, number one for Boob Studios, written by oh, Grant boy. Morrison and Alex Child. Art by what? Naomi Franquiz. What? I just, I kept the whole time reading this being like, I can't believe this is written by Grant Morrison. This is like, it looks like such a nice, wholesome book. And I can't believe Grant Morrison is doing this shit. Yeah. And then you got to the end, right? Oh, yeah, I did. So this is about a bunch of kids who hear a legend about a place called Proctor Valley Road where a bunch of people seemed to die, like Pete saying. It starts uh, relatively like just regular teen fun movie for three quarters of the book. And then things get messed up by the end in a really big way, spinning out into some mythology. It doesn't feel like a Grant Morrison book at all, I would say. It but Justin, it's what did easy you think to about follow, like you can understand. It's impressive. Well, I think the biggest difference why it doesn't feel very Grant Morrison is the the art. The choice uh the choice of the artist um is uh Naomi uh Frankwiz uh is is very different, very feels very not Grant Morrison, but I think it helps to play 
sort of plays against type a little bit in a good way because the horror comes at you in such a different way by the end. Um, the characters, you, I feel like you get in the heads of the characters very quickly, um, and they're all fun, likable, smart characters. Uh, has sort of a Scooby-Doo vibe with the, the collection and the era of, of characters here. Now, I don't want to jump on you too much, but the artist's name is actually Fran Quiz, and that's a great segue to start up my Fran Quiz. First oh, question, and- who played the nanny on the hit TV show, The Natty? <laughs> Fran Dresser. <laughs> Correct. That was the whole quiz. I can't think of another oh, Fran. Oh, that's good. That's most Frans, most famous Frans are Fran Drescher. <laughs> I do want to talk about that podcast we were on at some point. That was kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, let's just skip by that and Instead talk about American Vampire 1976 number 6 from DC Comics Written by Scott Snyder, art by Raphael Albuquerque Here shit the is Kirky. going down And we're heading towards I would say the end game Of American Vampire at this point As our heroes Finally close out on the thing that's going to let them Beat the tongue, the demonic entity That tried to take over the earth And things go horrifically wrong I like this issue. I also like every issue of this book. Oh, holy twists and turns, Batman. This is holy some twisted shit. tongue. The tongue always wins. Can't beat the tongue. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I. This was That's very what I impressive. Say to my wife. Um, <laughs> don't be creepy, you fuck. Um, yeah, American Vampire just continues to impress. You think like, okay, I got a handle on what's going on. Nope. No, you do not. Um, yeah, I was. I think this is a, a really solid, great issue. The Kirky is just killing it on the art. It's a lot of fun and, and really crazy and over the top. Really making that nickname work. Um, <laughs> what is so great about this book and a lot of Scott Sander stuff is he always has another gear. Like this, uh, this series. There's such a big cast. It's it's like, oh right, these are all. I remember how all these characters work together. And in this issue, and in throughout this series, they've been in like an ever worsening situation. Yeah. And in this issue, the situation somehow gets much worse. And he focuses the cast down to the characters we care the most about, and the twists and turns that happen there. It's just. He's masterful at timing the the big story moves, and this is another great example of that. That guy's a great writer. Good stuff. Deadpool Nerdy 30, number one yeah. from Marvel. <laughs> Written by Joe Kelly, Scotty Young, Kelly Thompson, <laughs> Fabian Nisueza, Gail Simone, Daniel Way, Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn, Rob Liefeld, and Chad Bowers. Art by Serato Sandoval. Aaron Conley, Kevin Lebranda with Bob Quinn, Patch Zercher, Michael Shelfer, Paco Medina, Scott Koblish, and Rob Liefeld. Basically, anybody that you could imagine having something to do with Deadpool over the years was pretty much involved in this. This is a bunch of short stories all set on different birthdays that Deadpool is happening. We'll turn it over to Pete, our Deadpool expert. Yeah, this is nice. This is just a, like... (laughs) Who's who that's put their, uh, you know, like fingerprints on Deadpool coming back to tell some fun stories. And that's exactly what it is. Uh, You know, you've got everything from Rob Liefeld making fun of pouches to just like insane uh, uh, party birthday things. Uh, Yeah, there's just like... It's crazy. It's Deadpool. It's over the top. It's fun. It's also like the art styles are very different for all these different stories. There's a lot of really funny stories in this, a lot of funny ideas. 
Um, yeah, the no chill story was really fun. Um, I, yeah, I believe Deadpool would hide guns in, in different uh, ice cream shops all over the country. Why not? Uh, yeah, this is just, it's a ton of fun. It's a lot of great art, and uh, it's it's one of those collected stories that I think is worth it. I've been celebrating Deadpool's birthday every year, so the fact that he's hit 30 is just a real boon. I'm cutting loose like crazy over here. Um, I thought this was fun as well. I want to give it up for the um, St- Scotty Young story, Baby's First Cable, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is very fun. Um, Kelly Thompson's Best There Is was really, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And the um, the Fabian Desuiza story I thought was very good as well. That's the one that I wanted to call out in particular. The thing that I really liked about this book is it's very easy to do a bunch of goofs with Deadpool, but Fabian went for something much serious and much darker. And I think people forget that Deadpool stories could get really dark sometimes. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was great. I was, I was very trepidatious going into this because I don't usually love collections. They feel like a mixed bag, but they got the right creators working on it. And uh, this is, this is good. If you're a fan of Deadpool at any point in his history, I think this is kind of a must pick up. Yeah. Next up, Homesick Pilots, number four from Image Comics, yes. written by Dan yes. Waters, art by Casper Wingard. This is so good. This book oh. is so good. Pick it's, up this book. It's so much better than it has any right to be out of the gate, just coming out hot um, with this story about um, some teens who are in a band, the Homesick Pilots. They uh, go into a haunted house. One of them becomes like this. Um, ghost um, gatherer of these uh, haunted objects. And uh, this is sort of the all fight issue where things are coming to a head. It's so much action. It's beautifully drawn. Um, the The premise is so strong and it's has this sort of intense loneliness about it as well that I really like. Yeah. I mean, if you would have tried to like explain the story to me, I'd be like, you're out of your gourd. This doesn't sound good, but like, it is so well done, so creative, so different. Uh, the art, the, the storytelling, the paneling, it's all it all works so well. This is such a crazy, unique story and some really unique characters. Uh, yeah, I just continue to be impressed. This is one of those ones where you get it and you're like, man, I hope it's going to be as good as the last issue. And it fucking delivers. I think a lot of it has to do with Casper Wingard's art, honestly, where the character designs are so unique. We talked about this in the last issue, but there is a VHS something ghost zombie. I don't know. Monster. I don't know exactly what's going on, but is so terrifyingly and beautifully drawn. There's one of the main ghosts is this horseshoe ghost has a horseshoe head again. Absolutely terrifying. We find out more about the mythology here. There seems to be an outside group that kind of has maybe ghosts trapped in TVs that are strapped to their tests that are tracking down ghosts. So there's so much going on in this book. And then the haunted house, like double paid spread thing was fucking insane. Beautiful. Uh, The fact that everything is very distinct in terms of the look, in terms of the coloring of the book, uh, Fantastic. Pick up this book. I cannot wait for the next issue. Next yeah. up, Rorschach. Don't trust, don't trust VHS tapes. Switch Ever. to Beta, Betamax. 
Uh, <clears throat> I only use Laserdisc personally. Rorschach oh, wow. number six from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Horia Fornis. In this issue, we're continuing to work our way back through the history of our cowboy character who was killed back in the first issue. Uh, here we find out how she met the Jack Kirby esque artist who later went on to don the mask of Rorschach. Uh, this is good. I was not uh. quite sure about it going in or what was going on, but like we talked about with the last issue, I think that really started to indicate where the story is going and sell me on it. Um, I like this quite a bit. Yeah. I was a little worried. This was going to be like that Eminem song, like dear Stan, my biggest fan. So like, uh, I'm glad that she didn't like kill herself in those like letters or whatever, but man, this was a really great idea and well pulled off. I have no idea what's going on in this Rorschach book, but I've been really impressed with all the different issues. And it's the classic King thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to give you just enough information to pick up the next issue. The guy is a master. Pete, you it's interesting you brought that up because, you know, Tom King wrote the Eminem Punisher crossover that was in XXL. Oh, I know. I read it's a fucking great issue, man. He didn't write that, but <laughs> <laughs> wow, Pete took that bait very quickly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is a great issue, regardless of who wrote it. Is it, it was Eminem uh, who wrote it? <laughs> I like this issue of Rorschach a lot. Um, I feel like Tom King is trying to say something about America with this book in a, a really smart, subtle way, almost as if to say. Here's what I think he's picking apart. In the original Watchmen book, it was all about how bringing the world together via the squid monster was a necessary thing to prevent everyone from world war from killing all humans, um, if you were to believe that plan. Um, and this is about how society has is drifting apart and what sort of in a, a very personal, in these personal stories, and uh, we get to sort of see that happen in this story, following these two characters who are corresponding via letter, and then we're hearing the presidential debate um, under, underneath it all between Robert Redford and the conservative candidate. And it's uh, it's just really good. It's really – I am always excited to see what the next big idea he's getting to with this. And I'm not sick of this Robert Redford bit. This is fun. Not a bit. Not a bit. It's real. It's happening. Thor and Loki, Double Trouble number one from Marvel, written by Mariko Tabaki, art by Guri Hairu. This is an all-ages title showing Thor and Loki as teens? Uh, Double 20, Trouble. Something like that. And something. just play, playing some tricks on each other and having a good time. I know I'm a sucker for this sort of thing, but what did you guys think of this book? It's fun. It's fun to see. I mean, the inherent dynamic between Thor and Loki where it's like, Oh, they, you can't trust Loki, but Thor always does because Thor's a sucker for Loki. Um, this feels the most natural of that, where they're young, they're sort of daring each other, and it goes instantly and horribly wrong in a fun, all-ages way. Yeah, I thought this was uh, cute and well done in all the right ways. It's Even though it's in all ages, it's still a very enjoyable book to read. It's kind of fun to see them depicted this way and the kind of team-ups and mischief they get into. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a good book. Next up, from all ages to no ages, Black Hammer Visions, number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Scott Collins. This is very exciting to me personally. I don't want to speak for you guys, but or the world at large. But to see Jeff Johns and Scott Collins, the team for The Flash and many other things, collaborating on a very hardcore 
horror book that's set in the Black Hammer universe, I thought was very neat. I was a little worried about it. I wasn't sure how it would play out. But I thought it was horrifying and uh, well-written, and I liked the little twist there. It felt like a Tales from the Crypt episode. I was very happy with how this book turned out. What did you guys think? Yeah, it felt like just classic uh, classic comics, uh, comic horror with like a lot of with creative execution. Um, we get a we don't know who the bad guy is right out of the gate, and then it's like, oh, this is bad. Oh, maybe everything's bad. It feels like uh, we end in a place where it's just, oh, this is just awful across the board uh, for everyone, which is very true to classic horror comics, I think, in a good way. Um, love the art. Uh, this series is so good. Next up in April, we get Chip Zdarsky and Johnny Christmas teaming up. Like, it's this has been one of my favorite anthology series to pick up. Uh, yeah, this was a little, it was, it was creepy in ways that I wasn't ready for a little bit. Like, uh, you know, it was just like, uh, this white dude who, uh, has is, is got a POC in the back and, uh, gets pulled over by the cops and then it's like, Hey, I'm white. So you don't fucking question me or whatever. So like, uh, it just, it just sucked that so far we haven't got any, you know, the, the, the poor kid gets really f- completely fucked over and then turned into something monstrous. I hope that there is a uh, kind of redemption arc for that character a little bit. Uh, but yeah, the team and the art is unbelievable. All right, fair enough. Next up, Superman number 29 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Sean Lewis, art by Phil Hester and Sammy Basri. This is the new era for Superman that Philip Kennedy Johnson teased on our live show a couple of weeks back. So it's exciting to finally see it come to fruition. Here we are finding out about Superman fighting an enemy that he can't quite beat or at least can hurt him in a certain way. And we find out from his son that this enemy might, in fact, kill him, which is, I would say, a big deal for comic books. What do you think about this? Issue? <laughs> uh, Has yeah, the I mean, death of Superman ever been a big deal for comics at any point? I don't, I don't remember it in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there's some real touching father-son shit going on here. Um, and, you know, that Amanda Waller, man, you know, she's up to something. She yeah, you can't really. Somebody should be watching her paying a little mm-hmm. bit more close attention mm-hmm. because. Wow, strong viewpoint, Pete. And then, uh, you know, it's a, there was a weird kind of like backup where I was like, this is just looks like the goon. Uh, but yeah. Oh, no, that was uh, Bibo, right? Yeah. Bibo. Yeah. Bibo. Yeah, that was Sean Lewis writing about Bibo. He's writing this backup story about uh, the other folks who live in Metropolis while the Superman stuff is going on. We get a little Jimmy Osen. We get a little Bibo. We get some weird villains. I thought that was fun. Justin, what did yeah. you think about this book? Uh, I really like Phil Hester's art. It, uh, Phil Hester... Green Arrow um, was a book he sort of was on for a long time, and it's great. I feel like his his style really fits here in the DC universe to me for whatever reason. And you know, I feel like this is the Johnson Superman era has begun. I've really been liking um, the work he's done um, on Superman, and this takes the continuity of Superman and his son, sort of both being Superman at the same time, um, and adds this sense of dread over top of it in a way that I thought was just really good. Really smart. Also, it, like, it was really impressive how cool Superman was about, like, 
his own death and like his son knows, but like he wasn't going to push him on it. You know, he's really slow playing that pretty well. And I was like, wow, I would have been like, yo, fucking son, tell me when I'm fucking dying here. Help me out. Like, what the fuck? I'm bleeding out my arm and you're being casual. I mean, that well, feels I, classic Superman. He feels Superman feels like, I mean, oh, his greatest weakness is kryptonite, but his second greatest weakness is not playing Coney ball with him. Yeah, uh, which dude, really that, seemed that to break his goddamn heart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. What man. are the rules? If he's dying, there, how do you play, play Coney ball? Come on. I, it's probably a lot of throwing a pine cone while you're flying or something and trying to catch it. <laughs> pine cone's sharp. Yeah. Someday. Someday we'll get a game of Coney ball. We'll get the rules. It'll be a lot like Calvin Ball, but I guess we'll have to find out. Eternals number three from Marvel, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Asad Ribic. Uh, here we are finding out more about the deviants in particular, the antithesis of the Eternals, as they are dealing with a spiraling out of control murder mystery of their own. How'd you feel about this issue? Well, first off, the art is just glorious, uh, you know. It's really beautiful. A lot of amazing character designs and stuff like this. The facial it's like expressions. Took, it's like someone took the. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Pete. Someone took the no He-Man problem. characters and put them in like epic Renaissance paintings. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so beautiful. It's it's really impressive. It's almost like a watercolor tone to it. It's it's really great. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying Eternals really wasn't my bag for a long time, but this new kind of reboot is doing its job and getting me excited about a movie that maybe I I don't know. <laughs> wow. Good conclusion. Way to play there. it cool. Strong conclusion. <laughs> Played it very coy. That movie's been announced and talked about for quite some time. Well, I don't know when it's actually com- coming out. You know what I mean? So that's why I was trying to be like, oh. I do think uh, somebody mentioned this on our Patreon Slack that it feels like it's Kieran Gillen's X-Men. And I think that's accurate in a way because he's using these text pages to break everything up. But he's maybe the only person other than Jonathan Hickman that is using that convention in a successful and exciting way. There's a page yeah. here where the computer, which narrates the entire book, talks about how many deviants actually exist. And they kick to a double-page spread of just names of deviants, and it's like page 10 of 7,947 or something like that. And it it plays so well because it's this oh-shit moment of the Eternals, there's probably 10 of them, and they're getting killed off, and their yeah. enemies, the deviants, are innumerable at this point. Point. It's great. Did you guys have any favorites from the Deviant page you wanted to highlight? Uh, Corbidorba Dubble. Oh, <laughs> wow. that short out. Shout out. Uh, I'm going to give it up for some of my favorites from the page Smoke Wheel, mm-hmm. Bottle Shirt, and yep. Dab, Dab Gnorts. Mm. Oh, yeah, Dab Gnorts. How could I forget about Dab Gnorts? I went to college with a bottle shirt, so I, I feel like I know that dude. And not to keep plugging stuff, but you can go back a couple of months in our feed, and we talked to Kieran Gillen before he launched Eternals, where he talked about it quite a bit. Now, that's in the comic book feed, comic book club feed, so check that out. Uh, it was fun to chat with him about the stuff. Birthright yes. number 47 from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. We are getting to the end game here. Here, our heroes are going after people who are picking up the detritus of the magical battle, the climax that we had fighting the God King lore. And that leads to probably what actually this final arc is about, which is brother versus brother 
What did you think about this one? I mean, Can this- I love this book more? Can I talk about this book possibly <laughs> any more in my life? I've given this uh, a shine up on every single issue of this series because I love it so much. And this was great in the midst, the fact that this is the epic end to this epic story. And we still get this great quiet bar scene um, between these two warriors talking about like just how shit went down and the difficulties of being a rage fueled werewolf. Did anyone on this podcast identify with that character? (laughs) Anybody? Any hands going up here? I'm sure there was a lot of people. Me? Me? Was it me? You are the rage werewolf mm-hmm. of the show. Okay. Don't let anyone tell you different. How? <laughs> yeah, I agree. This continues to just be unbelievable. Um, yeah, I. it's crazy because it's like, oh, I thought this was wrapped up, but it continues to go on in such an enjoyable way that uh, I don't want it to end. But, um, yeah, I, I just think this is artistically and creatively one of those books that's going to stand up over time. I agree. Next up, Pete's favorite book of the month, maybe month. year, Luda number two from Boom Studios by Maria Lovett. This is Don't about put a... your weird <laughs> shit on me, motherfucker. Listen, man, Maria Lovett makes some gorgeous art. That is what I'm going to say. This is about a woman that is getting into a strange cult and getting sucked deeper and deeper. Justin, what did you think about this one? Um, I like this. It's crazy how much this is um, like the other book, uh, the Brian Azzarello book. Faithless. Uh, Faithless, yeah. Um, Just in almost every way. Um, So (laughs) it's a little weird to have this being out so soon after we've been talking about the other one. But I like this. Uh, Independent of Faithless, I think this is a good book. It's sort of like the, the country, the unplugged version of Faithless. Uh, where there's a lot of like <laughs> vests with no shirt underneath, uh, looking in old books and playing some fun acoustic guitar. Faithless, too fancy for you. Check out yeah. Luna now from yeah. Boom Studios. A hundred percent. Even bad boys have a soft side. Luna from Boom Studios. Next up, Sweet Tooth, The Return, number five from DC Comics by Jeff Lemire. We are at the second to last issue of this book, a rebooted Sweet Tooth. We find out some big revelations and twists in this issue. Pete, there's a big, angry elephant. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I really enjoyed the elephant. Um, Yeah, we got the kind of reveal of the evil master plan in this. Um, Yeah, I think it's... it's, uh, does a great job of like duh, 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 leading us being like, Oh, what's going to tune in next time. Um, I, I, yeah, I think this is a great book. The art's fantastic. Uh, it's really raised the stakes. I can't wait to see what happens in the next issue. Pete, how did you like the zoo? I really enjoyed the elephant. Pete, how did you like the circus? I really enjoyed the elephant. <laughs> Pete, how'd you like your safari? I really enjoyed the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> That's all hey, I hear from you, Pete. Hey, Pete, how were your animal crackers? I really enjoyed the elephant. <laughs> elephant. Yeah. See, how do you elephant enjoy- animal cracker is a little bigger, so you get more mm-hmm. cracker. That's why it's more enjoyable. Yeah. Did you bite Pete, up the legs did- first or the trunk first? What did you go for? It depends Good on the question. mood. You know, some days are mm-hmm. trunk day, others are little legs. He's in a real trunk mood. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Pete, I can't I- eat carbs today. It's trunk day. Trunk day. Pete, how did you enjoy the animal in the room that no one wanted to talk about? 
I really enjoyed the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, um, th- I mean, I if love you like walking sweet- into the room and talking about the giant elephant. You kidding me? <laughs> Now, believe me, I've known you for so long. I can't hide an element in the room with you. Yep. Um, elephant. Uh, this, if you like Sweet Tooth, you're going to like this book. It yeah. is a true, like, uh, one-to-one sequel to that book. Um, it, you don't get to know the characters as well, and it feels like it's taking the ideas and creating a story that has the tension and stress um, and uh, thriller nature of Sweet Tooth and just playing that hard quickly. Um, And I'm curious what the sort of the big point of this will be at the end. I agree. I think a lot of the proof is going to be in that final issue, and I'm excited to check that out. Next up, The Immortal Hulk, number 44 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett. We are back to the good old fucked up immortal hog this issue with things growing out of people's backs and big monsters and things exploding and whatever. Um, That's great. I love it. I love this book. Yeah, this issue really – I love this book too. The art is so good, so horrifying. Like truly, there's so much just skin stretched in fucked up places. I love it. I love that. This is the sort of book where you could have a green Sasquatch in the desert with Puck and Rick Jones, who's just like a stretched out neck at this point, and is coming out of a radioactive guy. They're like, whoa, whoa, he's not bad. He's not smiling anymore. And you're like, yeah, no, no, he's a good guy now. Yeah, it was like, I noticed the lack of smile on this horrifying uh, image. (laughs) Uh, But it's great. I love that they've gotten this book to a place where they just have this insane mythology where that happens. You have this huge fight with the UFOs and the Hulk where, spoiler, but they win and they blast the skin off the Hulk in the most horrifying way, leading to a huge cliffhanger at the end there. Uh, this is great. Pete, I know you've been a little back and forth on this book. How'd you feel about this one? I thought it had a really hilarious, amazing, scary, fucked up last page. Uh, I, 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 I think this is a very creative, dark, twisted book. Uh, it continues to be enthralling. I'm excited to see how this is going to kind of, uh, end or, or wrap up here because, after that last page, I was like, what? I, this is not actually my problem or anything, but there was a certain sense I got towards the end of this book because they clearly are at a, heading towards the end game with Immortal Hulk. I started to feel bad for whoever is going to have to pick up Hulk afterwards. Like after this run, it'd be like, yeah, but I, Hulk, think, I like to smash no, things. But I think that Marvel knows that. And I think that the like, you'll kind of get something that's like, hey, you know, your Hulk book isn't always <laughs> fucked up. You know what I mean? So, like, it'll be a refreshing, nice Hulk story that we can kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's right, this Hulk. And then maybe it'll be something else later. But, like, I think the next thing could be a, a nice clout. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think all I'm saying is this is such a definitive Hulk run to come after this. I do not know what you do next at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, it does feel like they're setting up this issue. Really, I was like, ah, I see where we're going. I'm very excited for that. The UFOs were great. It's rare to see a story where your hero gets just 
destroyed in such a fashion. Um, and yeah, I feel like they're going to be like, okay, how about it's just Hulk smash for a while after yep. this. Next up, Spectre Inspectors, number two from Boombox by Bowen McCurdy and Caitlin Musto. We love the first issue of this book, yeah. which found a bunch of fake paranormal investigators discovering, discovering something real paranormal. They tracked down more paranormal stuff. This issue, specifically a ghost in a library. Pete, you're a big Ghostbusters fan. You yeah, love I mean, a ghost classic, in the library. What would you think about this one? Yeah, the classic ghost in the library move, fun, you know. Um yeah, I think this continues to be a really fantastic uh, book. And what's nice is even as no, it's drawn a little cartoony, there's still some real scary panels going on in here. And uh, I like the this kind of group of people that we have working together. It has some heart to it. It's, it's intense. Um, and it's going to be fun to see how this gang kind of gets out of trouble. But yeah, a little, a little nod to the old uh, classic Ghostbusters with the old librarian ghosts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this book, the art is so great at just expressing the different feelings and emotions these characters are, hap- are having throughout this story. Uh, so it's really it's a really great book that uh, great synergy between the writer and artist here, and it's good. It's scary um, and, it's, and fun, and it's a bold move to talk to a librarian ghost because you know she's going to shush you. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know they rolled that dice and they took that gamble. I'd rather talk to a librarian ghost than just a regular living librarian. Uh, next up, the Amazing Spider-Man number sixty-one, aka Stop Spider-Man. From Marvel, written by <laughs> Nick Spencer, art by Patrick Gleason. This issue, we're getting a brand new status quo for Spider-Man. This is a much hyped new costume. We find out why he gets the new costume here. Justin, what did you think about this one? Um, it's so, this is such a tonal shift back to what Nick Spencer was doing before this last big storyline where all this like gross stuff happened with kindred and sinner eater and all that which was so heavy and intense and this is like nope it's fun again uh boomerang and spidey just being roommates screwing around um social media like all that um so it was a bit of a whiplash um jumping into this issue i like what's happening i just it's hard to reconcile with the last you know six months of spider-man pete yeah, I mean, I agree with Justin. This does feel like whiplash where like somebody's yelling at me to play the drums and I really don't want to. Um, I'm looking forward to this thing being over with so we can get back to Spider-Man. For me, this felt like whiplash in terms of I'm a little more into my bird than Sam Rockwell. Huh. So we all had different takes. I like this. I thought this was fun, like Justin was saying. I do think it's interesting that they throw in the Kindred thing right at the beginning here. They're clearly not done with it. We're going to come back to it at some point. Um, You think? I just hope we finally get to find out who's underneath the mask of Kindred. (laughs) That would be great. The Last Witch, number yeah! three, our last book here on the stack from Boombox, written by Connor McCreary, illustrated by Vivi Glass. Here we're getting a witch versus witch battle. That's the hot thing this month. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves seeing yes. witches fighting, and you guys have been loving this book. Oh, yeah. I do it. love this book. This is another one of my favorites of the week. Like, Yep. The, these characters are so good. I'm so like behind this young uh, this young girl who has the witch mark and is like battling these like badass witches and somehow finding a way to win every time. Like, 
it, it, I really love this. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed with this. The the art, the storytelling is really fantastic. It's uh, what's great is it's even better than it looks. When you look at it, you're like, oh, kind of looks adorable. Like um, this looks like in all ages, but it's not. It's there's so much going on in this book. It's really fantastic. It's very touching. Plus, you got a badass grandma who smokes cigars. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? I knew you were going to bring up the grandma. I knew we'd get to all Pete's grandma uh, love. And the the little kid and the the dog. I just, it's... It's it's touching. It's badass. It's fun. It's it's a lot of different things, but the storytelling and the art is is glorious. And it, it this book has really been impressive. At what age are you finally like, wow, that's what I'm talking about? When you see a grandma, Pete. What do you mean? Like what age? Like is it someone having grandchildren, or are you like when you see someone uh, like an older grandmother woman, like what is that? Is that when you're like, okay, I want to put a sword in that in that golden girl's hand? Well, I just you know, anytime you see a badass grandma, you think that's a cool grandma. You know what I mean? So I don't know what the age is, but if you saw a grandma rocking a cigar or with a sword or a machine gun, you're gonna be like, hell yeah, I'm I'm her her team. Mm-hmm. She's on my team. Let's go. Like that's Pete. That's a real gilf, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, that is not what Grandma I'm saying. I'd like to fight with. Uh, all right, I don't. You know what, Zalvin? I, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> But I know what to do with all of you. You need to support us at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at Crowdcast and YouTube at 7 p.m. Probably should have said the time there. (laughs) iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and follow our show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more at Comic Book Club on YouTube. We'll see you next time at the virtual comic book shop. Comic book club.